Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Associated, a podcast dedicated to making venture capital more accessible. How are you, Francesca? Very well, thank you. Great. Um, so who's our guest today? Who do we have on the podcast? We have Dele, who is an associate at MNC Ventures. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dele. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? We're all good. Thanks for spending your evening with us. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what MMC uh, does and what it is? Yeah, so MMC Ventures is an early stage venture capital fund based here in London. Uh, we predominantly focus on Series A and have been doing so for the entirety of our almost 20 year history now. Um, we've also actually started to look a bit earlier as well. So we also invest that pre-seed and seed as well for select opportunities. So if I'm right, you've got two funds. What are the size of each fund and what is the average check size for each? Yeah, sure. So we do have two funds. Um, The first fund is an evergreen fund that tends to invest in all of our Series A investments. And the second fund is specifically for pre-seed and pre-seed investments. And that's more your traditional fixed GPLP type fund structure. Um, from both of them, actually, at MMC, given that we're generalist investors, we do both B2B and B2C tech companies. Um, so we're happy to look at things on both sides of the fence. Um, from the first fund, we tend to write initial checks of up to £5 million in a round. And with our new seed and pre-seed fund, we have a lot of flexibility on that, actually. And we can go as small as 50k into a pre-seed round. And is your aim to sort of find these early stage businesses and then invest in them in your Series A fund? Like, what, what was the reasoning behind starting this seed fund? So for us, having invested in Series A for such a long period of time, what tends to happen is that you come across a number of opportunities that are either too early or too late for you. And when it comes to the ones that were too early, we were actually meeting teams that were super smart, super sharp, super ambitious, had great hypotheses around the market. And we felt that there were sometimes we missed out on those opportunities by saying, hey, you know what, we really like you, but let's stay in touch for 12 to 18 months. Um, when you start getting to look like the series, the typical Series A companies that we back. So instead, we said, instead of losing out on those opportunities, why not set up a vehicle that allows us to really act on those as soon as we have conviction on great founders that are a bit earlier than what we'd normally play? I think that's very good reasoning there. Um, so... I believe you've got quite an interesting method of deciding what businesses to go out. You've got this special team, is that right? Yeah, so we also have a research and insights team, actually, and it's one of the things that makes us slightly different from a lot of other funds that we see out there in the market. Now, that fund is essentially part of our investment team and sits as sort of like an enablement layer underneath just to ensure that they challenge us and make sure that the quality and rigor of of the thinking that we've come to be known for make sure it's spread out throughout our entire investment process and investment decisions we make. Cool. Um, I actually wanted to to focus specifically on, on you now and your background. You've done consulting, you've done banking, you studied medicine, you were in Indonesia and then Nigeria and now you're here. Could you Tell us a bit about your journey to where you are now. Yeah, one word, confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I grew up in East London. Um, I started off by studying medicine. Um, I think at the time, the, the question was, what are you good at? And sciences and maths were up there. Um, and what do you think provides a stable but exciting looking career going forward? And that seemed like the thing I really wanted to do. 
But then at the same time, you make that decision really when you're 16 years old, because at that point you have to choose your A-levels, the right A-levels that can get you onto the course. Um, and you sort of lock yourself in from then. But if you think about it, that's where sometimes maybe the US system um, for becoming a doctor is a bit better because you have to do some sort of pre-med type course and that is your first degree and then you go to med school. And I think by the time you're 22 and finishing that first degree, you're probably, even even though you don't fully know yourself yet, um, you're, I think you're in a much better place uh, from which you can make that sort of lifelong decision. Well, 16-year-old Delhi sounds very sensible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> let's just uh let's just you know thank the times for for growth <laughs> okay so you're 16 decided you wanted to do medicine which in my eyes sounds very sensible um you might not have spent much time at med school <laughs> with, with med school uh, people okay okay <laughs> so uh, so then you you studied medicine for a while yeah i completed it i qualified oh, amazing um i qualified but I think I realized about halfway through that this wasn't going to be like a long-term thing. But in all honesty, I, I loved like surgery. That was the thing that I was probably most passionate about while I was there because it's like, it's, it's super tangible, right? It's, and I love DIY personally. <laughs> um, so if someone has an Ikea bit to put together, that's me, I'm, I'm there. For all your <laughs> Ikea assembling needs, email Deli at... Yeah, so um, like... So, so for me, that was just like a, a place where you could really, like in the theatre, you zone out. Um, you know, obviously at, at that stage, I was just assisting and like even some, even in some instances, just watching. But you really zone out over the course of a few hours and like you get something physically done, right? It's not, I, find, I found that very different from updating prescription charts and, and doing other, you know, other things that weren't you directly impacting, I guess, the, um, the, out, the, the patient outcome. Um, but when you spend a lot of time in hospitals, you start to see how, in my opinion at the time, how repetitive a lot of it was, um, number one. And number two, how I felt there was a mismatch between what we spent most of our days doing, or at least what the doctor spent most of their days doing, and how much training they had had over time. I felt like people had studied for way too long um, and sacrificed for way, way too much to be in a system that I think um, should optimize a bit more for their their sort of intellectual capability rather than their their capacity as as almost like human labor, if you know what I mean. Um, and that was something that just just didn't really sit well with me. Number one, I think number two, this was around the time when I was just doing a lot of random side reading into just tech and early stage companies, and you know. Um, YC had just like become super super prominent over here, especially um, Uber had just launched. You know, Dropbox was picking up a lot of steam. It was like everything was just moving really fast. Um, but then at the same time, you read all of that on the train in or at home, and then you get to the hospital, and no one wants to hear about any innovation. Um, no one really has has their eye on anything outside of the four walls of the hospital, and that was one thing I really didn't like. I felt like it was super tunnel visioned um and and to be honest i like i want to i want to caveat that because that was my own personal experience and it could have been different for a lot of people so i'm not going to speak on the entire profession like that or the entire um culture of medicine like that but that was one thing that i experienced that definitely pushed me to the other to the, to the other side and then you had a few i guess would it be right to say like exploratory opportunities and banking and consulting my takeaway early on was that 
I did I hadn't found quite yet what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, but at least I know two things. I know like which things I want to roll out up front really quickly. And number two, I also know that I'm not willing to like cut this like really certain med degree short um, for this half-hearted thing that I don't know enough about. It's probably best to stay to the end and use all of my free time between now and then to get really sharp on what it is I want to do um, at the end and see if I can potentially rediscover my love for uh, for medicine, which I didn't think was ever going to happen, but hey, it is what it is. Um, and then I think as I as I progress through um, each year, the amount of time I thought I would stay in medicine once I left just decreased like more and more to the point where when I was in my final year, um, I had applied for a consulting gig. I, de I decided that that's the place I wanted to start my career. Um, and I was just like, you know what, screw it. If you know with a high degree of, of certainty that this space is somewhere you don't want to be, just don't apply. Like, forget it. Don't apply for a junior doctor post. Um, just go gung-ho on whatever it is that, that you think you want to do. And at the time, I also had, because I just interned um, at a bank over the summer, worst case scenario, I would have a job when I came out anyway. So, I mean, people like to look at it sometimes as, oh, you know, you're really bold for leaving. But I think I, I, I did calculate it a lot and it felt like a, a, a fairly safe bet at the time. I could always come back if I wanted to. And so was that at Deutsche? That was... Yeah, okay. the, offer, the offer was okay. from Deutsche and beforehand. Okay. And then you moved to Rocket in Indonesia. How did that come about? Because, I, I mean, would that be like your first step into the tech venture ecosystem, would you say? Yeah, pretty much. When I when I graduated and I had the uh, consulting offer lined up, they were super gracious, actually. They said, look, we know you've spent the last um, six plus years uh, studying to become a medic and working really hard. Um, feel free to like defer by a year or so um, and just go and like explore some of your other interests. Um, most people decided to go traveling and like do some other fun stuff. I was like, nah, like there's two things I want to do. Firstly, I want to get out of London um, because I'd just been here my whole life at that point. Um, and secondly, I wanted to like just get deeper into this early stage space. A at the same time, this was when um, companies like Jumia were like springing up um, and doing quite well, at least growing really fast um, at the time in Nigeria, which is where um, I'm from. And I actually saw a job opportunity because a friend of mine at the time had started up this this um, recruiting company called Move Me Back um, that helped people of the Af people from the African diaspora. Um, find jobs in um, in countries all over Africa. That's so, so cool. Are they still running? Yeah, they're still running. Amazing. Well, we'll have to do a plug to them. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Definitely. Move me back, uh, Charles and Oyen. Uh, yeah, running a super cool business there. Um, so, yeah, so I looked at that first. Um, I interviewed with them, and that all went well. But when I thought about it, I was like, this company is actually like four or five years in at the moment. I wanted something real grassroots. Um, and then when I dug deeper into Jumia, they were founded by a company by Rocket Internet, right? Um, and Rocket were springing up things all over the world uh, in emerging markets all over the world. So I got in touch with Rocket. I said, hey, I've got an offer from Jumia. Like, can we figure something out somewhere else? That's like day zero. Um, and they gave me a few options. They were like, okay, cool. We have something in Karachi. We have something in Moscow. And we have something in Jakarta. Now... <laughs> I didn't know enough about any of those places <laughs> to make an informed decision. You but couldn't flip a coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, so all I know is I'd seen Reggie Yates' Moscow documentary. 
<laughs> and there's a black dude in Moscow. Well, I can see why you were like, uh. <laughs> like whether whether it was a justified decision or not, um, it, it it didn't uh, strike me as the one that was that was for me. Um, so it was actually between Karachi and Indonesia. The one in Indonesia just sounded like a like a um, a bigger opportunity. Sounded like a more sure opportunity. Um, I really liked uh, the the founder of the business, um, and yeah, decided to make my way to Indonesia. And then how did you go from Indonesia to Nigeria? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, if, if we take a step back for a second, the context was I had a fixed period of time um, within which to explore some of my interests before coming back to take up a job that I definitely knew I wanted. So I sort of tried to divide that time into half. Um, oh, in fact, that wasn't the upfront plan. I, I guess I, I got through it. And then at a point where I was like, hmm, I can sort of, see where this is going in a similar way to when I was like in second or third year of med I was like I could see where this is going I thought let me make a decision on this now um, otherwise it might not leave enough time to have another experience if I wanted to have one did you I mean it, it seems so carefully planned almost to have like you know this early stage growth experience and then moving to another country and then working at another early stage um, environment there did you already feel like maybe you had like venture in mind at that point or was it more like I just want to get into the tech environment did or was was there like planning or forethought um yeah good question thinking back I think venture sounded super exciting at the time I don't think I had placed it as hey yeah, I really want to do this um or I'm, I'm working towards this but I knew it sounded super exciting and to be quite frank I didn't think I'd be eligible if ever but at least not for a very long time um eligible in inverted commas not necessarily saying I'm eligible now <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah I think it was definitely something that I like it was like a, a star off in the distance that I was like this would be cool to yeah. do at some point yeah. um yeah so, um, sorry, what did you do at Rocket when you were in Indonesia? What was your job? You know, if you know Rocket, um, it's about replicating proven, proven business models um, okay. in, in emerging markets. But I think this was, at the time, the first business model that was started in an emerging market that we were sort of replicating in another emerging market. Um, so it was a play on the uh, Expedia, Booking.com type space in, in, in hotel booking e-commerce. Um, specifically to look at inventory or hotels that are um, at the perfect sort of junction where they have like fantastic service but are not digitally savvy. Um, so you end up um, branding those hotels um, under your one brand and you unify them under one brand and you put a bit of capex in up front to upgrade those hotels to a certain standard so that from a customer perspective, you are able to um, surface a lot more hotel accommodation opportunities for travelers from abroad or even like travelers from within the country as well. Um, and they can be sure that because of your um, brand stamp in between, they're going to have a guaranteed experience with, you know, these six, um, you know, criteria. Cool. So what was your role specifically for that period of time? Was it six months that you were there? Exactly. Exactly. So my role in that period of time was as an operations manager, specifically uh, leading pre-listing op operations. Um, so essentially, I sat between when someone signs a hotel and they get onto the platform to sending them live on the platform, um, including the inspections, including so the... So a few night stays that you had to sort of test out the hotel just to make sure that it was quite nice. You know what? We were moving too fast for night stays. Oh, no. if, I'm, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> we were moving. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of nights in the rain ensuring oh, that like... No. 
trying to trying to translate between like my English and you know uh, Bahasa Indonesia, um, <laughs> where this uh, where this like massive neon sign should go outside uh, outside the hotel, and that wasn't fun. <laughs> um, but an experience. It, it was a cool experience because at the end of the day, I got to hire and manage a team. Um, out there, uh, you have to run like a really tight ship because if you don't get properties live, um, you can't start selling nights and it's just wasted inventory on the platform when you're burning X amount every single day. Um, so it definitely taught me the importance of moving fast and thinking about cash flow as well um, as, as one variable offset against um, the amount of revenue you're generating. Cool. And then what did you do next? What did I do next? So um, at the time where I decided that I didn't think I was going to learn that much more from there. And then I was like, look, I'm Nigerian. Like, I, I, there's a lot happening um, in Nigeria at the moment. And one of my best friends um, at the time had just decided to move back to Lagos um, from London. He was a medic too, um, decided to move back. Um, and it felt like there was, you know, just talking to him, there was like a lot of like opportunity there as well. Um, to 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 go and try stuff out and he had a few people that he could put me in touch with um i also did my own outreach as well uh and and yeah i eventually got to a point where i was in lagos for a couple weeks um had like 10 15 one-to-one coffees um, and chats lined up with various people in the ecosystem and then i came out with an interesting opportunity um to to run a small company there at the time um and yeah i decided to take that you, you said that's, that's quite a lot of coffees. Do, do you think you had the advantage of just knowing people, you know, from from that area that you were able to just sort of so quickly kind of get yourself a job? Or or do you think the ecosystem is quite open for people coming in and, and, and landing and taking off straight away? I mean, two weeks is, is super quick. I think my ideas about the strength of certain brands whether justified or not, started to pay off then. Because I think what people see is um, this, like, medic that has, like, certain big logos on their CV that they understand and, and like, recognise and respect. Um, and that, I think, definitely, like, gave a bit of a push um, in that market when there weren't that many people at the time who were deciding to come back with with those sort of names on their CV, to be honest with you. So a bit of a... Like, it's, it's almost like you know what you have, like at least how people will perceive certain things and you play to it. That's very good advice. I like that. Um, and then after that? Yeah. And then after that, you fast forward um, nine months or so and then I'm back in London. Um, I joined BCG, the consulting firm, um, and then I spent a couple of years at BCG um, working on you know a number of different projects in a number of different industries. I traveled a lot. I worked a lot of hours. Um, I met cool people. Um, like Freddie? Like Freddie. <laughs> yeah, like Freddie. Did you work with Freddie or were you just there at the same time? I did work with Freddie, oh, actually. No way. I did That's work so with Freddie. That's so funny. Yeah, it's such yeah, a yeah. small world. Okay. At, at the time, we both left to, to join funds. Um, we were both on exactly the same projects. Like we were sat next to each other. Um, and in fact, the third guy who sat next to us as well was also, is now also a venture. Um, so it was me, it was Freddie, and uh, Race from Revolt as well was there. So we were literally all on the same project, um, complaining about corned beef. Yeah. Yeah, but hey. <laughs> corned beef, okay. That's yeah, we were on an interesting project. Ah, yeah, heavily I food see. related. I see, yeah. I see. Okay, so you work for BCG. So why did you not go back 
for the offer to, to from the bank from Deutsche? Um, I think just having done a banking internship and having done a consulting internship beforehand, um, I was able to like compare and contrast um, from a first time perspective, and really I think. I felt I would learn more in consulting in a shorter space of time is, is, is the crux of it. Um, I felt like you're given more responsibility. Um, you have a lot more client exposure. Um, you get to travel more. And those are three things that were, that, was, that were sort of super important to me at the time. Cool. So a couple of years BCG and then you, you got the itch to, to try something new? Yes. Um, yeah, that's where, that's where Avenger came into the picture. And how did you come across MMC? Yeah, so um, a recruiter told me about this opportunity um, at MMC. At the time, I was sort of interviewing with with a couple of funds. Um, A recruiter told me about the MMC opportunity. Um, I ended up, like, I think it it was really cool how quickly MMC moved because I think I came in um, for an interview on a Monday. Um, They got back to me at the end of the day and then... I was actually flying out the next day to Amsterdam um, to go to Money 2020 out there. Um, and they were like, okay, no worries, we'll make it happen the next day. So we, they made the next round, the second round happened the next day. Uh, and, and that was super impressive to me because I was like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, it's, it's the same thing when you're looking at a company, right? I think momentum um, plays a big part in, in helping convey to the company that you know what you want and that um, you have some degree of confidence that they are it. And, and yeah, that that was something that really stood out to me in particular. Um, on top of that, I got on really well with the team. Um, I was almost surprised that a a fund um, can have like <laughs> a lot of actual like down to earth, personable people um, that are also super smart and really really know their stuff. Why? Why were you surprised? Because in the corporate experiences I'd had to date. Uh, most people didn't come off that way. Yeah. So reflecting back on your journey to where you are now, um, how do you feel the experiences you had from banking to consulting to working in startups have contributed to your, I guess, readiness for venture? And what would you advise someone who's in, you know, the position perhaps you were 10 or more years ago of, I want to get there, what do I do? Yeah, good question. Try and do the thing. If, if you have options ahead of you, try and do the thing early on that provides you with the most bargaining chips later on down the line. Right? So I think looking back to um, me leaving uni, would would staying in Indonesia have been like super cool? Like it was so fun out there. It was really fun. Um, and Nigeria was also like that on, on, a, on a different level, right? That was even more cool and I was managing a bigger team and that was like super experienced. I was working, I was working for a couple of guys that, that was really smart and um, taught me a lot and, and were, were a huge inspiration for how to be, you know, um, how to just operate, right? But at the same time, my question was, um, how much will like this experience on my, like how much would this experience on my CV sort of serve me later on down the line? Um, because, I was very conscious, and this ties into a question that someone um, put down on Twitter. I was very conscious about like my own background and um, the things I had slash didn't have, right? And I don't, like, I'm the eldest of four kids and I consider um, one of my responsibilities to be like super, super secure um, 
so that you know people have a fallback if they need to. So that people around me that I care about have a fallback. Um, and none of those things was like a surefire way to getting that. Um, so I had to sort of find the thing that was a good balance between what is great for me, but also helps me achieve like the first level of what I need to need to achieve, which is like a really strong foundation. Um, and that's why consulting was was a no brainer out of all of the things that I went to. It almost there was almost no trade off there, in fact, and it still gave me a bunch of optionality at the end to 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 go into a number of different careers afterwards. Um, so that's how I thought about that. It was like what gives you the biggest bargaining chip, but also um, don't neglect. Like, don't be honest about what circumstance you're in um, and what you need to, like, um, survive or, or I guess, just, just be who you need to be for the people around you. Yeah. So, that, so, so that was the first one. Um, after consulting, I felt like, you know, I have enough of what I would need to do to sort of, like, have um, a good, I guess, glass floor in a sense that you can't go beneath a certain level. And then after that, I was sort of free to explore and experiment. Um, at that point, there were three things that I was thinking about. Be like a chief of staff at a fast-growing early stage, series A, B, maybe maybe company, or VC. Um, and I looked around for um, a number of those different roles. And all of those seemed to me like they were exciting. Um, I could see what the next step looked like for each of those. And I could understand how I was, again, trading what I had right now for something that I felt was like a step up in my career. And why did you choose venture capital over those other options? Honestly, I looked I looked around at a number of different things, um, and I was I was still I was still open to all of them by the time I chose to join MMC. Um, but uh, it came, and it was a really good opportunity. Um, and I think any of the other opportunities would have had to be like really really amazing for me to like decide not to take this. Um, I think it was a it was a great choice, and I still do. And. I- I think it, this is a good opportune time to tell our listeners what you're doing right now because that's quite a fun thing and awesome thing that MMC you know has, has let you do. Yeah, very cool. So, um, so as of uh, a few weeks ago now, I actually joined one of our portfolio companies on secondment. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Congrats. Thank you, thank you. Um, so I joined Gusto, um, the AI-powered recipe kit delivery company, um, who essentially showcases customers fifty recipes a week now, um, and based on what you order, uh, deliver you a pre-packed, pre-measured set of ingredients um, that you can go home and cook with. Uh, with very minimal hassle and you get like great healthy meals for a decent price um we invested in them first in 2013 um and i've invested subsequently over and over again until now and you know they've done amazingly along you know over the course of the last six seven years um and yeah from from my perspective it was you're super interested in transformative e2c focused companies um and this is one that's like sitting there in your backyard that you guys have a fantastic relationship with. Let's see if you can go in and take some of your previous experience um, and some of what you understand about venture um, and, and you know, early stage companies and scale ups uh, to go and work with the team and learn a ton um, and also see how you can provide additional support as well. Um, what is also helpful is that the, my manager at Gusto at the moment used to be an associate at MMC. Um, and there's another member of staff at Gusto that um, came on secondment to MMC um, a couple of years back. So I think how we work with our portfolio companies and what you can expect from MMC, I think this is one of the best examples of 
us actually not being afraid to 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 go out on a limb to like um to to get deeper than than just like the typical investor investee type relationship i've said this to some other people and while everyone responds really positively from like my perspective um and says this is a great experience for you some other vcs have remarked that oh it, don't your companies find that quite intrusive um aren't they a bit uh you know wary of an investor sitting actually at and eating at the table with them essentially um and i think that's very suggestive of the relationship that some investors have with their portfolio companies and how this one is different that's so cool and um what are you doing there so gusto um has a growth uh team in-house um if you think back to the stories about um, a lot of the big tech companies from the valley and uh, when growth teams start to be implemented essentially it's, it's a similar thing right it's how do we um, be really smart around data um, how do we create this really efficient testing environment and start to test all the different variables on our in our proposition um, to the point where we understand how to how to really drive retention and growth within our business um, and that's the team I'm sitting in Awesome. Well, if if you need a tester, <laughs> let me know. Okay, cool. <laughs> no problem. How how do you think your operational experience plays out to you now as an investor and specifically to aspects like founder empathy or um, relationships and being able to identify with the amount of, you know, sacrifice someone has made for their company? Yeah, good question. Um I actually, if I'm being honest, I don't think you have to have been an operator to have founder empathy. I think empathy is a human thing. Um, and I think you're able to have it whether or not you, you had that experience. Um, in, in my particular instance, um, I think the one thing that helped above all was just understanding that Nothing behind the scenes in like a company's office in the day-to-day -day is as pretty as the UI on the website uh, makes you feel it is, right? Um, and I think just understanding that uh, allows you to make sure you're not unnecessarily like punitive or you don't focus on, it makes sure you don't focus on the wrong things when you're assessing a company, when you go and meet the team, um, when you dig underneath the surface and you start to realize some of the inev inevitable cracks or just like imperfections you're going to find. Um, it helps you to remember that like it's not supposed to be perfect at this stage. Like this is the toughest part of the business. You know, we're, we're making things work and this, this, this car is still going forward despite the various things that are wrong with it. And that is like what is special about um, a great early stage team that's building something super interesting that people want. I really like that image of the car just moving whilst pieces are being stuck <laughs> on it. Um, that's really cool. So um, just out of my own curiosity, what trends are you really excited about right now? What trends? Um, I'm not a, if I'm being fully honest, I'm not like a... a You're not trendy. I was going to say I'm not trendy, but I am. <laughs> you are, confirmed, Petra. I'm, I'm not. Yes. Confirmation. Yes. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> the evidence is the backpack, <laughs> which has been my, I've had my eye on for a while now. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Yeah, so right now I'm not, particularly honing in on certain trends and locking myself into those. I think for me, for a, for a long while, I've been super interested in any sort of B2C tech companies. And I think I'm drawn more towards those that serve a real fundamental need, whether it's around B2C finance or health or education or childcare. Those are the things I find myself mostly interested in. And I think 
actually because those things often are quite regulated and there's a certain amount of difficulty surrounding them that people have historically liked to avoid now they're almost some of the some of the best opportunities that are yet untouched sit in those spaces and i think there are a lot of smart entrepreneurs that have deep experience in those industries that are now coming out with really exciting consumer propositions in those spaces either going direct to the consumer or actually going via employers in b2b2c type models and those i find really really exciting brilliant well you heard it here first if anyone's got a business that's um in that space do reach out today i think you might might get some ears open to that business model yeah holler at me so what are the qualities that you look for in a colleague and what do you think are some characteristics that maybe the fund values in people who join? Yeah, I think I think the fund values um, a unique perspective. Um, I don't think that means you should like just force yourself to be different for the sake of it. Um, but I think having spent some time looking at looking a bit more deeply at a space or some spaces that interest you, I think goes a long way in 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 venture interviews i've spoken to a few people recently that i've had to hire people and you know they're like look i have four to six hundred cvs waiting for me they all look the same like even even when i you know try and do the first round of filtering i still have a few hundred people that essentially look like you know they're all they've all had the same experience on paper um so how do you differentiate and some of them have said well if someone one of the things that that really makes a difference is someone providing a link to like a medium or um, an additional add-on to the back of their CV that has like an article that they've written or a piece of thinking that they've done around a certain space. Um, that makes a big difference because I know for you it's not just a job application. Like you 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 breathe this a bit more than the average person does, and I think that makes a big difference. So, what are some I guess tangible examples of that of being able to see? the differentiator in a cv so i think so th there's the really tactical stuff you can do like like, like i just mentioned with the, with the medium like if you've written something um that not necessarily for for public consumption necessarily but just more so to to condense and to, to to articulate your thoughts i guess um is is one thing that's super helpful um another thing is if you're looking down a cv just seeing where someone has had I guess a variety of interesting experiences um, can be quite cool as well because the thing that that at least starts to point you towards is that maybe the person is able to code switch and shift in and out of like different mindsets because you need to do that a lot. You might be reading about a logistics company in one space and another one in sort of like a performance marketing optimization type company in another sense and another one is around um, some sort of API management type um, solution and those are all really different spaces so you need to be able to like dive in and dive out and dive in and dive out of really unrelated spaces um, and not hold too much too many prejudices from spaces that you've looked at before and still be able to look at things afresh and anew um, when they come through. Awesome. I'm also interested to know what you look for in a founder. In all honesty, I think it just comes down to one thing, and I think that's like insight. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed when someone can, um, when someone can show me that, like, as the founder of a certain business, they know a space really, really well. They know it really, really well. I may already have some really strong negative convictions about a certain space but if you can articulate um and and just show me something that i haven't seen before that is that is really really attractive in a founder in my opinion um it it, it shows me that 
um, you've done a, you, you've done you've put in the time to do a lot of homework and and to get deep on this and and even if we don't end up investing in you at that stage, I think there's so much work you could end up doing with that person later on down the line. Um, and it's just a great person to have in your network, right? You can learn from them um, and hopefully you can, you can help them out as well when the time comes. Awesome. Right, shall we go to question time? We can do. Um, so thank you to everyone that has submitted a question. And um, I think it's your choice to pick whose question you'd like to answer. So who have you picked? Yeah, cool. Um, so I think Akash asked some really interesting questions around the barriers to people from certain socioeconomic groups um, to becoming founders. Um, and also a question around the relevance and importance of MBAs. So yeah, I think those are, those are super interesting questions. The first one is, do you believe entrepreneurship is inherently for upper to middle class founders? In brackets, salary sacrifice, pre-commitments for crowdfunding, inability to raise a friends and family round. If so, how can the ecosystem level things? Really great question. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really cool question. Um, especially since most of the narrative that I see around diversity doesn't really touch on this area at all. Um, I think there's so much... Um, that is said around diversity, but I think none of it really gets beyond, beneath the surface layer, if I'm being perfectly honest. If we think of diversity as a, as a theme of unlocking um, pots of opportunity um, that exist, but don't have like, access to, to, I guess, to the fruits of, 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 of their capability, um, or the fruits that their capability can get them, um, this, is a, this is a really important area. So, for me, when I think about this question, um, I don't know, I, I guess the way I think about a lot of things is it's, I find it hard to look at this issue from the perspective of like, what can someone else do? Um, or what is the ecosystem gonna do? I'm actually not that bullish on the ecosystem sort of like doing anything very differently. Um, or at least, I actually don't know if, there's, there's that much the ecosystem can do, like in the grand scheme of things. I think if we're being honest about diversity, diverse, like VC isn't bad um, for diversity because VC is just bad for diversity in particular. Like diversity and, and the lack of it stretches to all industries and it's been in every single space that I've operated in, um, whether it's medicine or whether it's like um, big sort of FTSE 100 type companies. Um, it exists everywhere, right? So if... You're, we're not talking about this from like a broader societal point of view, then I think a lot of the conversation is, is a bit of a waste of time and just scratching the surface. Um, saying that, how, how do I think about it? Um, touches on um, the lack of opportunity for certain people. I think what, what tends to play a part is um, I don't feel like I'm in a position to take a risk, to take the risk that founders need to take uh, in order to get my business off the ground. I think what that really means for people is you probably need to spend more time um, or at least you might have to be a bit more patient um, with your career decisions up front while you're like really young um, you probably can't afford to like drop out of your uni um, in, 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 in pursuit of like this, this dream right you should probably stay there and you should probably like get a really strong degree 
um, you should probably go out and get some really, really deep domain experience and domain expertise. And then you come out as, let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, a 30-year-old, a 32-year-old with a decent amount of savings under your belt with potentially like a house, a mortgage, if that's what you want, um, with just a few things set up such that you have a bit of personal runway to then go out and try something. Um, maybe you don't want to have a mortgage at that point, actually. Um, maybe you just want that money or, or to be runway for you. I think at a certain point you start to think you can start to think about the your 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 savings ball as like personal runway, right? It's like if you have if you've managed to save up a hundred grand in in the first fifteen years of of your career um, because you made certain decisions around it, then that you know a hundred grand can if you say you can live off 2k a month um with your current living circumstances can stretch to 50 months which is like over four years of runway right um for you as a person and then on top of that you just have a more a more recognizable profile from like investors that think a certain way as someone who like you know has a a stellar in investment in in sort of inverted commas background um and knows the space really really well and then you sort of start to get into a place where people are like, actually, you know, I want to give that person money. Um, even if not, you have the opportunity to like just go the traction route and see how many different ways can I iterate my product and service um, to be able to build this. And by that point, if you spent 10 years getting really deep and being quite uh, thoughtful about what space you're in and what you do with your spare time, you should also have like, or at least you can also build um, a really good network of people around you that can help when the time comes. So I think that's the way you sort of mitigate a bit um, against your your background and circumstances. It doesn't work for everyone, I know. Um, it might not work. There's a, a bunch of like additional complications, but if I'm going to give a general answer, that's the best general answer I can give. It really is a brilliant answer. That's incredible. And you also very kindly offered to answer another one of Akash's questions. So thank you very much, Dele. Um So Akash's question is, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs face a choice between an MBA now and then a startup after or doing a startup today. MBA might help with fundraising, while startup is great experience. And with how cheap it is to start plus capital available, which route would you advise? I think the, the facts about an MBA are that an MBA is really expensive in cash in sort of like cash terms um but also it takes up two years of your life now i don't think an mba is like blanket a good or a bad decision but i think you really need to consider it from from your own perspective my if i if i give you my context right i had just finished consulting and of course an mba is always a, a potential option for someone in, in 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 that position um they always talk about you what like f as a you know, to net off against um, the time and the, and the cash cost, like you get three things back. You get a bunch of career opportunities, you get a great network and you get, you know, some business knowledge of some sort. I, I really felt that a lot of those things were too big of an overlap with my existing experience that for it to make sense for me to spend, I don't know, 200K dollars fully loaded plus two years of my life um, doing an MBA, the way I looked at it was if I had 200K dollars, which I don't, but if I did um, and the two years, which, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to have, would I be able to get more out of my life than, um, than an MBA would give me with like a, a certain rigid program? Um, and my answer I felt was yes, uh, personally. Saying that, if you can adjust that equation such that it's like, it's, it's, it's more in your favor. For example, 
if you have a scholarship and that takes that cost down to like 20k and you can still get like a top class MBA um, then that sounds like a fantastic decision to me um, because there's very little cost and you can then make of that experience exactly what you want um, so it, it really depends on your personal circumstance but blanket uh, I guess just the, the, the standard offering um, I'm not sure necessarily it adds that much value to your profile to just be able to say I'm an MBA um, I, I'm I'm generally quite cynical about a lot of just like formal education programs just because they have to earn money as a business. So at some point, if revenues don't stack up, they're going to accept more people. Like, is that a reflection of you or just the fact that they're a business that needs to make money? Um, and yeah, that's, that's my view. Might be cynical, I don't know. <laughs> and final question. Are you hiring at the moment? Yes, we are actually. There's, there's one role open at the moment for uh, an investor relations manager um, at MMC. Um, so essentially we're looking for someone who leads on the uh, LP side of things. So um, on the fundraising side where we get our capital from, um, there are a number of activities around fundraising, around keeping people informed about uh, what the fund is doing um, and a bunch of activities around that. Uh, so we are looking for somebody to fill that position at the moment. Fantastic. And previously you've already given some really good descriptions on on top tips to stand out so that's super helpful uh so Deli, how can people get in contact with you yeah so you can i think the best way is to go onto mmc's website at mmcventures.com uh navigate to the team page from there and you can see all of us including me uh feel free to reach out to anyone on the investment team that you feel has a good overlap with with the business you're starting or the business you're thinking of starting and we'll be happy to uh to take it from there and also personally, if you want to reach out, I am on Twitter uh, at Dells Akin, which is D-E-L-S-A-K-I-N. Thank you so much, Dele. Cool. No problems. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dele. <laughs> it's been a great <laughs> evening. Thank you so much for listening. An extra special thank you for all those people that submitted their questions on Twitter and on our email. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, please do at associated underscore pod, Instagram at associated podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like to ask our speakers, please jot us a line at associatedpodcast at gmail.com. So please subscribe, share, like, and see you all next week. Thanks.